0: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. On the show today, you know what it is: Three Keys, man. We're previewing Washington's matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz versus Matt Ryan. Man, oh man, 425 kickoff. We got a good game. Oh. Ah, my bad. I forgot. Both of them ain't playing. Neither one of them are playing. Who who, who we got? Who we got on Sunday now? I think it's what, Taylor Heineke and uh who's the other guy? Sam Ellinger? still primetime, right you know we still we still we still on national television ain't we we still get to watch these guys playing you know do we still get bragging rights if 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 Washington lose if Washington wins and and this coast still get bragging rights if 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 they win I, I don't I don't know how this going to work anymore <laughs> we I don't think I don't know how this going to work a, the, the plan has changed the plan has been uh imploded Can we, what about the Dan Schneider and, and, and Jim Irsay? Like, how does this work? Do we, is there a bragging rights on that side? Like if Washington wins, does, does Dan Schneider, you know, rub it in Jim Irsay's face? I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. (laughs) I don't know anything anymore. Um, but no, Taylor Heineke, Sam Ellinger, not the matchup. We anticipated heading into the year. It's a reason why it was a 425 kickoff. Um, one of very few Washington commander primetime matchups. And obviously this isn't primetime because it's not at night, but, uh, you know, when you have the 425 kickoff, that's just the the big evening matchup for the NFL. Um, And you have Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke, which is cool. You know, we are where we are for a reason. Uh, Matt Ryan, you know, has moved on, uh, or the Colts have moved on from Matt Ryan permanently uh, for this season. Uh, they they just weren't in a position to protect them from the offensive line standpoint. They felt like they wasn't able to uphold their promise to Matt Ryan, which is the reason why he okayed the trade to move to or to get shipped off to Indianapolis. I um, mean, Sam Ellinger is in place now, a more mobile quarterback in their eyes, and a person who could probably give that offense a chance. Um, and and there's no, I guess there's no disrespect to Matt Ryan on their side, but you know the decision that they made has a lot to do. Uh, With the fact that they thought they were quarterback away and Matt Ryan can do that. Um, Unfortunately, they severely underestimated the regression of that offensive line. And on the other side, Taylor Heineke, um, Carson Wentz is out with an injury. uh, But in his first game, Taylor Heineke's first game since, uh, you know, all the interior offensive line issues and pressures that Carson Wentz has succumbed to. And uh, the sacks that he accumulated during his time, somewhat similar to Matt Ryan. They took a lot of hits. They took a lot of sacks. Uh, Carson Wentz's finger injury came from a byproduct of uh, just normal football stuff, hitting fingers on helmets. Um, But at the same time, you know, he's out now. And you saw in the first week with Taylor Heineke, what he was able to do when the pressure was, you know, in his face because he got pressured a lot. But his mobility, you know, why he wasn't able – or why he wasn't really accumulating rushing yards, he was able to elude some of the pressures in his face uh, from the Green Bay Packers. Um, So that's the difference. And um, I think that's kind of the same game plan and same perspective and projections that, you know, the Indianapolis Colts are um, envisioning with Sam Ellinger. So on the show today, obviously with three keys, we're going to get right into it. Um, There is a couple things beforehand. There is no guest. Uh, I've been, I'm, I'm still currently sick. Like as I'm talking to Um, y'all, thankfully not COVID, but well, I'm going to take another test today (laughs) just to be sure. But, um, came back negative yesterday, take another one a day, um, just to make sure. But yeah, it's, I was supposed to have a guest or we, I, there was potential for a guest today. Um, and unfortunately, the people never followed up. Um, but it's cool, you know what I'm saying? It's all good. Uh, it, it worked out for the better because I probably wouldn't have been able to to conduct the interview properly. Um, anyway, so with that being said, uh, it's just me, no, no guest. Uh, we'll be back, hopefully, be back on schedule or, or back on track next week. Um, I do feel slightly better after that last night's sleep, but this ain't what you're here for. <laughs> just letting you all know what we had over here, what we had going on over here. Uh, so that is the one thing. Um, another thing, if you have not listened to it, make sure you give a listen to the JD McKissick interview. Uh, really good, really insightful. Um, and there's something i want to talk about. We're going to get into it uh, before we break down the game. Um, so we're going to start off with the injury report. And the last thing we'll talk about is this JD McKissick comment. Um, that I came across. So, first and foremost, what we do understand as of Thursday's injury report, the list of DMPs goes as followed for the Commanders: Jonathan Allen, Sadiq Charles. I think um, Jonathan Allen had a rest day, so you don't have to worry about him. Uh, but Sadiq Charles, John Dotson, Cole Holcomb, William Jackson, Cole Turner, Deami Brown. Uh, excuse me, Cole Turner. That's where it stops. Deami Brown was limited. Logan Thomas was limited. Jonathan Williams limited. Sam Cosme full, Taylor Heineke full. Um, I know Ron Rivera said he doesn't expect Jahan to be back, so he's going to miss his fourth straight game, which is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, hamstring is is tricky, I guess, and I think we learned that a lot last year, uh, which was actually more of a groin issue, if I believe, with Curtis Samuel. But can't rush it, and the, the further I'm a competitor, and I wanted this more probably than Jahan did. <laughs> And I would even play football, but I wanted him to win that rookie of the year. And he was off to a really good start at one point, was tied for the league lead and touchdowns. um, And then hamstring. Anyway, uh, Jahan is probably not expected or he's not expected to play from, according to Ron Rivera. Um, On the Colts side, I'll list these names off for DMPs. You have because it's DMPs and Fools, no limited or anything like that. So you have DMPs as Quiddy Pay, Matt Ryan, Grover Stewart, um, and Grant Stewart. And then you have your fools, Kiki Kuti, receiver, uh, Jojo Domon is a linebacker, Zaire Franklin, linebacker, Stefan Gilmore, corner, Ryan Kelly, center, Shaq Leonard, or Darius Leonard, because it took me several, several occasions to realize that Shaq Leonard was Darius Leonard. <laughs> I was like, who is who is this new guy at linebacker? But apparently it was just Darius Leonard, and I didn't care to research. I was like, this name is new. <laughs> but he has the same last name as the linebacker, Darius Leonard. Is that his brother? <laughs> I don't know. Um, But Shaq Leonard, full. Yannick Ngakwe, full. Uh, and then Luke Rose, full. Uh, so, yeah, Shaq Leonard is expected to be back, according to uh, the Colts staff or reporters, people who cover him. Um, so he's expected to be back against the Commanders. Um, Next thing is Chase Young. We have a Chase Young update. Um, you know, as we all know, I think we saw the videos, if not, um, if not, excuse me, the Twitter videos, if not on the broadcast or the actual game itself, Chase Young was working out at FedEx Field on Sunday prior to the Green Bay game. You know, he had a heavy workout Sunday, according to Ron Rivera. And then he followed that up with a couple more heavy work days throughout this week and another checkup today, meaning Thursday. Um, so they got a good report on Chase Young from the doctor on Thursday, and he'll be uh, a full go next week. So his, his clock, 21 day clock starts next week. Uh, Chase Young's. Um, so good reports from Chase, good reports from the doctor. Uh, we can expect him back next week. Um, and then lastly, uh, here we go. The, the running back spot, Ron Rivera said that with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, you know, the role and the opportunities for JD McKissie will be dictated by how successful we are running the football. Um, while there was no follow up on that, and we wasn't really able to gain, gain too much clarity, um, I think it's evident what's going on with JD McKissick and and how they're actually what they're saying in that, that pressure in terms of Ron Rivera, it's unfortunate. Um, and and I don't want to draw conclusions or, or draw speculation. So, um, but I, I I felt like the, the way that Washington has carried their running back position, knowing how effective all three running backs are uh, for McKissick to just get three touches in two games. It's somewhat like how they did Cam Sims last year. Um, like they were emphasizing other players over Cam Sims, who is a guy in 2020 who proved how much of a playmaker he could be if you give him opportunities. Like he does things that, you know, for Cam Sims, excuse me, to be clear. Cam Sims had done things that other receivers on the roster couldn't do, specifically as related to his size. He's very good at the catch point. He has good body control. He can go up and get it. He's a contested catch guy too. And he takes big hits. And, you know, for whatever reason, his, his usage on offense was limited and he was relegated to special teams. Um, even when players got hurt, Curtis Samuel got hurt, he wasn't involved that much. Cam Sims wasn't. And now J.D. McKissick different positions right but for jd to not be involved in the offense like think about it this way jd mckissick let me pull up his numbers for us so we can have this conversation um because i was looking at it before i interviewed him and still like after the fact too but jd mckissick had 29 snaps over the past two games and he's had three touches over the past two games that's 30% of the snaps against Chicago, 16% of the snaps against the Packers. Prior to that, has had four, I'm going to go through the order. Every game, 40% of the snaps week one, 46% of the snaps week two, 53% of the snaps week three, 51% of the snaps week four, 41% of the snaps week five. So now you go from those numbers to 30 and to 16 respectively um yeah it's not it's not it's not good uh, he was very effective in weeks one through five um and even when he got his opportunity in week six against chicago he broke out for a big outside zone run that took him for 20 i believe and they're finding a way to, to phase him out to really emphasize, you know, the the duo between Brian Robbins and Antonio Gibson. And I think that can be a mistake. You got to know what J.D. McKissick did for you and what he can still do for your team. Um, and, and while I understand that they are saying, you know, it's going to be dictated on how successful they are running the football. You may know what's best for your team. I'm not the coach. I'm not in that. I'm not in that locker room. But you got to understand, like, you got a trio here that, that can really do damage on teams. And if you embrace running the football the way you want to embrace running the football, you got to find a way to get all three active. And J.D. McKissick is a versatile weapon. He's an experienced receiver and running back. right? Get him involved on both the pass game and the run game. Um, and, and And that's kind of you know, interesting, man. They're, the snaps that these guys are having, Antonio. Now, not, that's not to take away from Antonio Gibson and Brian Robson. These guys are effective backs right now. They're playing really good. Um, they're executing their jobs. You know what what Washington is asking of them. They're executing and doing their things really well. But you just got to understand who you have back there, and if you have Taylor Heineke under center, and you want to make sure you establish a, a balanced running running game. You gotta have find a way to get JD five carries, <laughs> five carries a game. That's not much to ask for, because I only say I say about five carries a game because there's no doubt that he's obviously gonna be in on on some passing plays. So that's what I'm saying. Like I understand he's gonna be in on some passing plays, but in terms of carries, you gotta find a way to get him the ball. Sometimes you don't like he's an explosive athlete. You can't limit an explosive athlete and then keep him on the sideline. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into our three keys for the commanders against the Indianapolis Colts. Number one. You cannot let Yannick and Gakway and DeForest Buckner wreak habit. Yannick is the edge rusher. DeForest Buckner is the interior defensive lineman. And a byproduct of that, let's just put in Shaq Leonard for the matter. Um, Shaq Leonard on the second level, sideline to sideline guy, solid in coverage, and he's a striker. We all know that at that point, right? Um, he is a very good linebacker, and for him to be back in that defense is going to solidify them even further. They're already a good defense. Um, right now, they are the ninth-ranked defense in yards per game, uh, 13th in points per game, but that's still pretty good. Um so you cannot allow these guys to rehab it. Furthermore, they get a lot of pressures, ninth in pressure rate, and they're also top 10 in sacks. They're tied 10th right now in sacks. Yannick, again, 24 pressures in the league. Uh, that's tied 10th. <laughs> DeForest Bugner, 17 pressures. That's tied 5th as a defensive tackle. Um, for the offensive line, because you got to remember, again, Taylor Heineke took a lot of pressures against the Green Bay Packers, but he was able to elude them. Now, Taylor Heineke ain't—I mean, look—he's had his magician moments, but are you going to rely on him every single week to to find his way out of um, pass rush pressures and things like that? I don't think so. And if the Colts can provide good discipline, sound discipline at the in their rush lanes um and even if they send some pressures they don't really send pressures they they use a lot of four-man rushes and trust those guys to get home um but even if you if if they're disciplining their rush lanes it's probably not going to be a lot for a lot of room for heineke to to maneuver um so i say that to say Sadiq charles has to step up um you know i for all is it all of his athleticism um he's been up and down in pass coverage right like the the reason why you had a perspective on Sadiq in terms of what he can do for your offense is because he can open up the offense from an athletic standpoint. You can get him out in space, you can try to get him to climb to the second level. You can get him uh to excuse me, you can get him to move a little bit later, move better laterally. Um and whatever you want to do in terms of your run scheme or or screen game. Um, but sometimes he's he's up and down and pass pass protection and that's kind of what gets them and, and I would I would I wouldn't be I would be shocked excuse me I would be shocked if they don't line up DeForest one of the best interior defensive linemen on Sadiq and I wouldn't obviously Washington probably has some slide protection to help him out um or, or have uh, a double on DeForest um, but that's, that's really what it's going to come down to, like that interior pressure, that edge rush and Yannick. Um, those two guys are going to be really good for this coast team, um, and, and it's going to be on Washington to, to really uh, a- avoid the amount of pressures that they can rack up. So that's going to be the first thing the offensive line really has to make sure that they keep these guys in check um, and, and limit them to the amount of plays that they can impact and help Taylor Heineke out in that regard. Number two, um, trench game. It's it's still going to be a trench game. You got to win your one one on ones against the interior, or excuse me, against Indianapolis interior offensive line. Payne, similar to Yannick, and similar to Buckner, uh, Payne and Allen are top three in the league and pressures for defensive uh, defensive tackles. Payne is number one at twenty four. Allen is number three for tw- uh, with twenty. I think the thing is, though, I think both of them have three and a half sacks, right? Um, and this goes for the entire defensive line altogether. If you look at what they did against the Packers, right? Green Bay did a really good job of getting the ball out quick. Aaron Rodgers did. Uh, I'll take that with a grain of salt. I'll take that with a grain of salt. Uh, they got the ball out quick, but they really didn't give their offense a chance, meaning Green Bay. They didn't give their offensive chance to to really develop plays. Like They just wanted to get the ball out. (laughs) Uh, It was like a hot potato type of thing. They just wanted to get the ball out. But I I bring that up to say these guys have to win against the offensive linemen in front of them, right? You have to find a way to beat, to win your one-on-ones. And I think that's important because, um, and, and I'm not trying to knock them. Understand that when I say this. But when you talk about how these guys have created pressure, and, and I think that's kind of the same thing with the Colts, right? You got to look into how they created pressure. Sometimes you get free rushes to the quarterback. Sometimes you go up against backup tackles or or lesser tackle, lesser skilled tackles than uh, like in terms of matchup wise, like they're not on the same level as you or they're not better. Or they're not perceived as better. Sometimes they're lesser than you. Um, sometimes you're going up against uh, tight ends. Like sometimes, like that's. Or sometimes you're going up against a quarterback who's holding the ball too long. And I put Payne and Allen there, right? But this really is an expansion of, or I'm expounding to. I don't even know if I use those words right. <laughs> but I'm going. I'm I'm broadening this thing to the whole defensive line. Um, and I brought up the Packers game because if you look at it they created some pressures right they were able to create some pressures but i think that for the most part you really didn't see these guys um be able to quickly beat the offensive line whether it's the tackles or the defensive i'm mean, excuse me whether it's the tackles or the guards or the center like it didn't happen again they are a top 10 pressure team they are a top 10 sack team um they are a top 10 pressure rate team the commanders are you just got to find a way to win your one-on-ones um, and you got to find a way to consistently do it. Uh, so that's all I'm saying. It's really about one-on-ones. It's not about how they create pressures, right? They're they're good at it. They're able to do it. But eventually when these one-on-ones happen, you got to see somebody dominate and take over and it has to be um, now again, this is the coach thing that's, that's actually regressing in pass pro. Um, so you're going to have a favorable matchup. Uh, so there really shouldn't be an excuse. Like, you're not going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush. I mean, pass uh, pass line. You're not going up against the Philadelphia Eagles yet, again, right? So you got some opportunity to, to show out against Indianapolis offensive line. Let's just say that, though. But in turn, too, this is going to crush Sam Ellinger's confidence and momentum before it can get going, right? You can be really good in terms of uh, eliminating anything that they got going on. And the, the Colts are really confident in Sam Ellinger right now um there's players that's speaking on him you know uh his teammate kyle granson uh he's a tight end but he's played with him since high school i mean obviously he's gonna speak good on him right he, he called him a dog <laughs> like he'll do whatever it takes to win uh that's making plays with his legs or his arm he always puts on the show The his buckner spoke on him as well just the way he approaches every day since day one sam's carried himself like a pro Even last year as a rookie, just seeing his demeanor each and every day. He approaches every day like he prepares as a starter. He's just that competitive mentality that he brings. Very excited to see his first start and the way he approaches this week. Um, There's a few more people who said things about Sam Ellinger, and and it shouldn't go surprise because that's their teammate. They're going to say good things, but the truth of the matter is a lot of people are anxious to see his first start. Um, And then lastly, as we get to the third key for me heineke has to protect the football that's through his accuracy and his decision making um in the last podcast um i still think that you know he made some good decisions but it was accuracy that hurt him whether it's through his mechanics or his footwork you know whatever the case may be um it hurt him and it could have hurt the team before the game even got started um first quarter going into the second quarter he had several bad throws that could have been turnovers he had a fumble that was housed but a holding call saved him yes find final way to protect the football against the Colts again think about the other keys they are they are a pressure team they are able to get pressure but not only that on the back and i didn't speak on this their coverage is just as good as their pressure you know, they got Stefan Gilmore back there. He's going to be able to hold his own majority of the game, right? But Tyler Heineke is a third key and, and really the most important key, especially on the road and an environment that Colts fans really, really take pride, like from, for their stadium. This is over the years of observation. I may be dead wrong, but just observing them for several years, whether it was Philip Rivers, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Carson Wentz, like, they really hold their own at cor- uh, at home. So it's a hostile environment, and Heineke has to find a way to protect the football, it's decision-making, and accuracy. You cannot afford to go down double digits in this game. You cannot afford to go down uh, off the, the backs of, of Heineke's turnovers. This defense is legit. The coach's defense is legit um, and, and and things like that. So I think it's really important. Uh, for Heineke to protect the football, uh, make sure that you know the decisions that he does make this week, because it is a week-to-week basis. He had a he had some, for the most part, some good decisions against the Packers. Um, and it improved as the as the game went along. You can't afford to start off slow in this hostile environment. Who knows what Sam Allinger is going to bring? I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to be a world beater. Uh, his first game, that's that's irresponsible for me. <laughs> but I do think, um. You know, defensively, both defenses are going to be able to keep each other in the game, each each team's offense in the game. Um, and it's gonna come down to protecting the football. So for us, Heineke has to do it. He cannot afford to turn the ball over, he cannot afford to get that home team some because a lot of people from the people that I talked to in Andy just throughout the week and just observation, there are a lot of people who are excited to see Sam Mellinger. So it's not going to be no doom and gloom in that stadium. They're going to be happy for every positive thing that happens on that field for the Indianapolis Colts. And that's going to jolt the fan base. That's going to jolt the crowd. Got to be careful, man. Shut that crowd up, protect the football, continue moving the football, things like that. So, yeah, my prediction, um, it's going to sound bad because I did, for clarity and transparency, so y'all know who I am, man. I, I don't lie. Uh, if I do change my mind or if I'm wrong, I'll let you know that I changed my mind or that I was wrong. And for clarity, last night I, I did the Trapper Die podcast, my Trapper Die podcast on YouTube. And I did say that Washington was going to win. <laughs> and I think I said 17 to 14, but I'm actually flipping it now. Um, flipping it, I slept on it, <laughs> thought about it. Uh, I didn't feel too happy about the game. But I think I said 17-14, and now I'm going 17-14 Indianapolis. Um, So yes, I said 17-14 Washington on Trapper Dive, but I'm flipping it, uh, and that's where I'm at now. 17-14 Indianapolis. I'm sorry uh, for those who were expecting to win, and if you are, you know what I'm saying. If you if you look at least Washington covers if you're a gambler, right? By the hook, right now they're three point dogs. Um, But yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now, man. I can't can't fake it. Um, But I just don't I don't feel good about this game, man. The the Colts defense is really good, and uh, maybe I'm wrong if they can establish the ground game and and keep the ball out of Heineke's hands. We may be in good shape. I don't know. Um, But yeah, 17-14, the Indianapolis Colts gets the dub, and the win streak is reset to zero. If I said that right. (laughs) But yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, man. appreciate y'all listening. Um, rating reviews, definitely helpful. If you can do that, spend two seconds out of your day to get that done, man. Show y'all weekend. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. Peace.